Super, um, good evening everyone. Good evening. Um, it's been an amazing time already in God's presence. The worship team um, were just amazing tonight and it was so good. Just the thought um, in them songs that Jesus is so much greater and it comes through tonight in the message that I'm going to share as well. So God's here, God's working. Maybe this is your first time at church and you're like, what's happening right now um, i want to encourage you keep listening god is really moving in people's life and he could really move in your life tonight too as you let him so tonight i am i'm going to be looking at this idea you'll see it on the screen behind you but last week we celebrated easter it's one week after easter sunday now when we celebrated that jesus is alive most of the kids are back to school tomorrow if you had the privilege of being off work amazing for a whole wide week you go back to work tomorrow routine starts again things go back to normal normal life kicks in and life continues on but i want to start with this question where does easter sunday leave us now was it just this story that we read about last weekend and then we forget the rest of the year what's our response to this easter story did jesus just rise from the dead for an amazing story to be remembered once a year or was it for so much more than that and the answer that i have to this question and i want to plead with you tonight for is that it is so much more than that and actually what we read of at easter has an incredible effect on our mondays or tuesdays every day after our easter weekend it should have an impact on our everyday lives because you see easter shows us lots of things but one thing it paints us is this idea that life comes through death life comes through death you see this idea of life through death that i'm going to take some time to look at tonight is a really common idea to us you might not think it but we see it all of the time for example our four seasons okay so we've got we've got spring we've got summer we've got autumn we've got winter when winter dies out we see that the mornings and we feel that the mornings don't feel as cold anymore. And that might not be very true for where we are in Northern Ireland. We don't really know what season we're in at the minute. But you see, with these new seasons, new life starts bringing through. When winter finishes, we see the, star, the flowers start to open. The light stays around for longer. New things start to come to life. Winter stops and spring starts. You see this idea, death brings life. The ending of winter, brings new life around you see every time as well we sit and have a meal we sit and enjoy the food and we're reminded that these plants were once alive they were once alive and growing then someone somewhere had a harvest resulting in their death and as a result when we sit and eat food we're reminded of these idea that the death of these things bring life to us as we eat them this idea of things dying and finding new life is happening all around us in many spheres of our life that we don't realize you see death leading to life is woven in the very fabric of the world in which we live and if it's true in this in our everyday lives in what we eat in the seasons that we see i want to ask the question if it's true in our walk with god too that life comes through death and tonight i want to bring us around this idea of some things that god wants us to put to death in our life some things that god is asking us to put to death and we will see through all those things that god wants to bring life to it but before we get there and um, let me just pray for us before we come to god's word so god i just pray that you would quiet our hearts, God, every distraction, God, would be removed in this place, God, that we would come to realize that this is an honor 
to come before your word, Lord. And we would really just be doers of the word, not just listeners, but God, people who would do what you have told us to do. God, so come and have your way. God, for people who don't know you yet, I pray that they would come to know you tonight. God, that you would do incredible things here. For us in your name we pray. Amen. So tonight in the time I have with you, we're going to look at this idea of some things that God wants us to put to death in our walk. You see, death is necessary. There are things that we must die to and there are things we must let go of. And tonight I want to start way at the deep end, okay? And the first thing that I want to look at tonight is this idea to put to death the sinful flesh. And it's like, well, you started deep there. But you see, the Easter story reminds us when Jesus rose from the dead, he appears to his disciples. And there was a time before he went into heaven again. And during that time, Jesus spent time with those people. He spent moments with his disciples. And after he went to heaven, others penned down the words that we find in this book, the Bible. And in the Bible, there's words and there's a lot of um, verses that I'm going to remind us of tonight. And one thing that the Bible makes clear to us is this idea of putting to death the sinful flesh. It tells us to not live according to the flesh, to not live according to what we want, the bad in us and ultimately the sin in us. And there's this verse in Romans 8, verse 13, and it says this. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's the first thing. Paul leaves these instructions for us that were to put to death the sinful flesh, the flesh in us that pulled towards sin. And I want to, before we even get into this idea, I want to put something straight first, you see, because the Easter story, which I'm going to refer a lot to, reminds us that in Jesus going to the cross, he already completely defeated sin. So sin is defeated. Jesus has the victory over sin. He's the victory over Satan. And because of Jesus, this sin that we all have, that you have, that I have, no longer separates us from God. A perfect God who's holy, because of Jesus, sin no longer separates us from God if we accept what he's done for us in the cross. However, you and I are imperfect people. You and I still sin. Even though Jesus has defeated sin, that he's defeated the enemy, you and I are still sinful people. Sin surrounds us each and every day, whether it's tiny things, big things, no matter who we are, no matter how long we've been a Christian, no matter what church we go to, no matter where we're from, no matter our job or position, sin will surround us. It's like a kid. I often think of this illustration. If you say to a kid, um, here's a bowl of sweets and I'm going to leave you in this room and I want you to not eat the sweets. And you walk out of the room, the kid will be like, ants in their, their arms will be like, I want to touch it. Like, I want to eat these sweets. I want to do that. I want these sweets because our sinful flesh wants something that we've been told not to do. Our flesh pulls us to do the wrong things. You see, we often listen to what our flesh wants us to do, don't we? For example, often scrolling Facebook often feels more appealing than spending time in prayer. When we sit and try to read our Bible, sometimes rearranging our room or doing that job seems more important. Gossiping seems to pull us in without us noticing as we get involved in certain conversations. Laziness often kicks in. Discontentment resides in our heart when we see that someone has something that we don't. And the list could go on and on and on. And so Paul in the Bible and Romans pleads with us to put to death the sinful flesh. Let me read that again. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And do you notice it's kind of a bit opposite, isn't it? If you live according to what you want, if you live according to what your flesh says, you will die. But the opposite is also true, that if you live according to the Spirit, you will live you will live. You see, we will die if we live according to the flesh because the flesh separates us from God. That's the consequence of sin. It separates us from God if we don't accept Jesus. But the opposite's true because life comes through death. And you're going to hear me say that a lot tonight. If we put to death the deeds of our body, we will live. Life comes through death. And I'm going to bring up this list of things. Some things that the Bible really practically asks us to put to death. It says this in Colossians 3, verse 5 to 10. It says, put to death, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of such things as these. Anger, Rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've, been take, you've taken off your own self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of its image of its creator. And you know, this practical list could go on and on. For some of us tonight, things that we need to put to death are this. We need to put to death pride, fear, and doubt, thinking too much of ourselves, Diminishing the needs of those around us, believing that worries are virtue, that we have just got this in our lives. And that's just a few. But you see, ultimately putting these things to death leads to life. Those who love God, tonight he calls us to put the things, things to death in our lives, to put to death the flesh, the nature in us that's like the kid that wants the sweets that have been told no to do it. God wants us to put to death these things. And in dying to these things, we gain life. We gain real life. Church, tonight you can experience life through putting things to death in your life. It kind of seems a bit funny, doesn't it, that putting to death things that you want actually leads to life. Practically, I want to give us some ways to do it. That first that we've read tonight really, really clearly actually puts out the practical side of it. As I said before, Jesus' death on the cross is final. It's completely finished, but you and I still often sin. Someone once said this, and it's quite a silly, like, simple statement, but the statement's this, be killing sin or be killing you. It's really, really simple, really, really easy. But how often in our spiritual walk with God are we actually putting to death the sin that's within us? And you see, the practical element of these verses is this. I'm going to put it back up on the screen for you. You see, Paul makes it clear that it's only by the Spirit, if you look at that verse again, it says at the end of it, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You will live in the Spirit. In this verse, when I had a good look at it, it's nothing that we can do on our own, trying to fight off the sin that so easily catches us every day, trying to decide, I'm going to pray instead of scrolling on Facebook today. We can't do that on our own. We will try and we will fail. When we try to be good people, we will fail all of the time. But Paul makes it really, really clear in this verse that it's by the Spirit that we put to death the deeds of the body. And the Spirit is simply this. To put it simply, the Spirit is the Word of God. 
It's the Bible, so simply this is how we put to death the, de the flesh. This is how we put to death by knowing, by believing, and by acting on the Word of God. Ephesians 6, which is this other part in the Bible, talks about this spiritual armor that we're to put on it. In it, it says this in Ephesians 6, um, verse 17. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So church, how do we experience life through death? How do we stop doing the things we so often want to stop doing? We do it by the Spirit, which is the Word of God, by knowing, by believing, and by acting on the Word of God. It's alive and it's active and it will help you in your struggle against sin. So next time, which will probably be very soon, um, if we're all going to be honest, when we walk out these doors and sin tries to catch us out, when we, we think we're going to sin, when we're going to um, scroll instead of praying to do the million things instead of doing the right thing that God wants us to do, we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and fight. Like maybe tonight you'll go home and you'll say, oh, I just don't want to pray tonight. Like, don't feel like praying, don't know what to do. The Bible would say, Lord, teach me how to pray. Why don't we say that in that fight? Maybe someone's gossiping about someone. You could take the word of God, the sword of the spirit and say, Proverbs 11, verse 13, a gossip portrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Maybe next time you feel yourself getting worked up, you feel yourself getting stressed and anxious, you could read Matthew 6, 34, which says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. This is how we fight off the sin in us with the word of God. So we do it by the spirit, which is the word of God. And also we do it by this. We put to death the flesh by the spirit, which is the word of God. And another way really simply is this, to know that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And first John 4, 4 for he is in you is greater than he is in the world. I love this quote. And a guy called Marshall Siegel says this. He says, for now we wrestle against forces much greater than ourselves, But we wrestle knowing that our Savior disarmed them with the nails in his hands and defeated them with his last breath. We fight knowing that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We fight knowing that he who is within us is greater than anything, is greater than the sin that entangles us. We fight with the sword of the spirit. So next time sin knocks at your door, which will be very soon when you walk out of here, even the thoughts that we think while we're in church, act upon what the word of God has to say. And know it and believe it as well. Know and believe that if Jesus is in you, that he's greater than anything. He's greater than any sin. He's so much stronger than you think. He's so much more able than you think. So much more willing to help when you ask him. He who is in you is greater than he is in the world. The one who has the victory is on your side. And before I move on, I want to ask you this question. What is God asking you to put to death tonight? What sinful nature is God asking you to put to death tonight? That list that I read, anger, is it pride, is it fear, is it selfishness, is it greed, is it laziness, is it discontentment, is it deciding to do a million things instead of reading your Bible? Whatever it is, what is God asking you to put to death tonight? The second thing that I want to bring us around the point of tonight is this idea, put to death the idea that this isn't life. 
We're called to put to death our sinful flesh, the sin that so easily catches us. And God calls us into a new life. And another thing I believe that we need to put to life is that to put to death is this, that the idea that this isn't life. And let me explain. Um, I read this verse a couple of months ago. And when I read it, it just really jumped out at me. And it's this verse um, in Proverbs 12, 28. And it says this. It says, in the path of righteousness is life. And in its pathway, there's no death. In the path of righteousness is life. And in its pathway, there's no death. And when I read it, I was like, wow. Like, what? like literally, when you, when you read into it, simply put as this, righteousness is described in two ways. When we put our trust and faith in Jesus, he makes us right before God. Nothing that you could do, nothing that I could do, he makes us right before God. And secondly, on this journey of following Jesus, he also leads us in paths of righteousness, a path of becoming more like him, becoming more like his son, a, more, a path of doing less of the wrong things and doing more of the right things. That psalm that we sing the song of, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, says that you lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And it said here that the good shepherd who's Jesus leads us in path of righteousness. And it really got me thinking with this verse that in the path of righteousness, there is life. And it's so funny because it's so different than what our culture portrays, isn't it? You see, culture would portray things like this. It would portray following Jesus as a joyless life. Following Jesus means that everything will not be life. It means that you will not experience life. Our mind, our feelings, our culture, other people tell us that following Jesus isn't the life. And can I challenge you, maybe you don't know Jesus tonight and you're in church and you're thinking being a Christian is not life. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you that it is life. Following Jesus is life. Put to death the idea that this isn't life. In the path of righteousness, in the path of following Jesus, there is life. And in their pathway, there's no death. You see, following Jesus, there's life now and for eternity. Those who walk in the way of righteousness will receive and know eternal life that starts right now. There's life tonight in making hard decisions to do the right thing. There's life tonight in walking away from sin. There's life tonight in the path of righteousness. There's laugh and, a life tonight in saying no to the wrong crowd. There's life tonight in following Jesus. And we might not see it right now. Our friends and our culture and our mind might tell us so different. But Jesus has promised life. I love this um, version. It's the message version of John 10, 10. And you'll know this verse, but I love the way this puts it. It says, if thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. The thief has come to bring death. Ultimately, he leads to death, but Jesus has come to bring us life, real life. And it's so different than every influencer would tell us. It's so different than what Instagram would portray to us, than what our friends and our society would portray to us, that following Jesus isn't life. But can I tell you, if you don't know Jesus tonight, that following him is life now and forevermore. Maybe you find yourself tonight here searching for life. Maybe you're searching for hope, for purpose, for value. I want to remind you tonight that there's life in Jesus. 
Maybe tonight you don't have hope that you have eternal life. You can have that in Jesus when you put your trust in him. Maybe tonight you're really struggling. You're thinking, how can I hold on? You want to give up. Things are so hard. And I want to remind you tonight just to keep going because there's life in the path of righteousness. There's life in following Jesus. And the life that I'm talking about tonight is in this fuzzy dozzy, everything's going to be great that I walk out this door and following Jesus is going to make my life better. Like, it'll be hard, but when you follow Jesus, he gives you life, real and eternal life, more and better than anything that you could ever have dreamed of. Can I put it really simply? Don't make the foolish decision that this isn't life because you can't change that in eternity. You can't change that thought in eternity. And tonight, this is as much for the Christians as it is for those who don't believe yet. Because in following Jesus, you can have life too. This isn't a joyless life. This isn't a decision for a joyless life. Or maybe tonight you think following Jesus means that this isn't life. Can I challenge you tonight to put that idea to death? That following Jesus is way better than anything that you could have ever dreamt of. Is it easy? No, but is it worth it? 100% yes. And here's the final thing tonight that I want to bring us to. The idea that we have to acknowledge that life comes through death. We first have to know that he was put to death for us. He was put to death for us. Matthew 27 verse 50 says this and we're going to go back a wee bit to the Easter story because it's important and um, it says this in Matthew 27 verse 50 it says and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit you see after hours of being crucified by the soldiers by being beaten by being mocked with a crown of thorns placed on his head Jesus cries out again with a loud voice and he dies and you know normally after crucifixion Normally after crucifixion and what Jesus went through, the victims spent their last hour in complete exhaustion or unconsciousness before death. But Jesus wasn't like that. You see, through tremendously, though he was tremendously tortured, weakened, he was able to speak right up to the moment of his death. And Luke tells us that he cries, it is finished, and then he dies. You see, after hours of pain, he gives up, which is simply that, he yielded up his spirit. He gives up his spirit it is done and it is finished but we know that the story doesn't end there we know last weekend we really celebrated that jesus wasn't in the tomb anymore that he's risen and that he's alive it says that in matthew 28 that he's not here for he is risen come and see the place where he lay and you see jesus came back to life he rose from the dead his death brought us life and you might say, Rebecca, how does that relate to your point tonight that life comes through death? Well, ultimately and truly it does. Because let me make this clear. Ultimately, foundationally and finally, not only did Jesus come back to life, but you and I can only have life because of his death. We can only have life because of his death. Jesus was put to death for you and I. And in his sacrifice, we have life. We're no longer slaves to our sin, but we're bought into the family of God. We're no longer under the law that we could never keep on our own. No longer in chains. Life comes through death. And ultimately, our life comes from his death. It says this in Romans 8, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit 
who lives in you. We are given life because of Jesus' death. We are given life through death. Without Jesus' death on the cross, you and I would have no way of getting to a holy, perfect, and sinless God. We have no chance of forgive, for receiving forgiveness, no chance of hope or a new life. But Jesus came in Romans 5, verse 8, which is one of my favorite verses. It tells us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Jesus died for us. Jesus' death brings us life, life in the now, but also life forevermore if we put our trust in him. Life for all eternity through his death. Jesus now represents us to God as his. Let's not forget what happened last weekend. Let's not forget what we celebrated last weekend. It should put a smile on your face. It should make you excited to be in church tonight. That his death brings us life. And if that doesn't put a smile on your face and make you excited, this 100% will. Because Jesus not only brings us life through his death, but he also brings us to life from our death. He brings us to life from our death. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. That word um, trespasses, you might not know what it means. And it simply means sin. It means the, the, the nature that I talked about at the start. The flesh in us like the kid with the sweet that's told not to do it. And they continue to do it. We were dead in our trespasses before we came to know and trust Jesus we were completely dead we were completely helpless and we still are without him we were dead in our sin we weren't sick we weren't broken we weren't misguided we weren't flawed but we were dead we couldn't have been any worse than we were from the day we were born we lay in a grave of our own doing of our own mistakes with hearts spiritually and emotionally incapable of loving God Sin swallowed every ounce of our hope, but Jesus came and he changed that. He, through his sacrifice on the cross, makes us alive. He brings us to life from our death. He brings us to life. You see, because the first doesn't finish there. It goes on to say, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses and if that doesn't make you smile which very few of you are right now i don't know whatever will you see jesus brings us to life from his death we get to experience life jesus does that for us he brings us back to life he brings us back to life from our death we were completely dead you aren't just a bad person let me put it out there you were completely dead i wasn't just this person who made a few mistakes but actually i was completely dead couldn't do anything to help myself still can't but because of jesus he brings me back to life you see life comes through death life comes through death the easter story tells us that and our life should throw that too and tonight, before I finish, I want to um, bring us all back so that we have a response tonight, that the Easter story would have an impact on where we go tomorrow, would have an impact on us tonight. And as Reese has already said, the prayer team are at the back because there'll be points in this where we all need prayer. There'll be things in our lives where we all need to come before God and ask for his help in this. But the first thing I looked at tonight was this idea of putting to death our flesh. 
And you know, this is a call for all of us tonight. This isn't just for those who have came to church for the first time and don't know about God, but this is a call for you and for me. This is a call to put to death our flesh, the sin in us, like the little kid with the sweet when they're told not to do it, that so often do it. The sin, the thoughts. We, I was at a conference yesterday and they said that sin is what we think and say and do that breaks God's law. It's everything that we think, that we say and we do. And really simply that's what it is. And there's stuff that you think, that I think, that I say, that you say, that I do, and you do, that aren't what God asks us to do. And we need to put to death those things. You don't have um, a pass out of it. I don't have a pass out of it. We need to put to death these things. And there's this verse in Romans 6, um, verse 13, and it challenges directly to this point and it's even better than anything that any of us could ever say and it says as it says present yourself as those before God who have been brought from death to life Paul thinks that's so clear doesn't he present yourselves as people who have been changed present yourself before God as people who have been brought from death to life present yourself as someone who doesn't walk the way you used to walk present yourself as someone who doesn't so easily get caught with the same sin time and time and time again and you and I don't get an escape from this you and I need to work on this we need to put to death our flesh we need to present ourselves before God as people who have been changed people whose lives are different people who have been brought from death to life so tonight I want to challenge you when you leave here be a doer of God's word I need to be a doer of God's word things in my life that need to be put to death I need to do that first I need to do that as I was preparing this we all have things that we need to put to death none of us are perfect if you're perfect see me at the door because I want to find out what you're doing but none of us are we all sometimes live according to our flesh we do what we don't want to do isn't that right we try so hard not to sin yet we keep sinning so we need to put to death the flesh and we do that by the word of God, by the spirit, by knowing, by acting and believing the word of God. And we do that by knowing that he who is in us is greater than he is in the world, that he has the victory over sin and we can come to God and ask him for his help. We can come to God and say, God, I am struggling with this. God, I don't want to pray tonight, but Lord, teach me how to pray. Lord, I get drawn into gossip so much, but God, help me not to be drawn into gossip. God, I worry so much, but God, take away that worry. God, this heart wants to become more like you. And you know what? God sees that heart. You don't have to be perfect tonight. God sees a humble heart that comes and asks for help. God sees a humble heart that stands before him and says, God, I'm not doing a good job at this, but I literally come and I need your help. So that's for us all. We need to die to flesh. Maybe there's people in here or people who are watching online that need to die to the idea that this isn't life that following Jesus, that your friends would tell you that this isn't life, that your family would, that the culture would, that Instagram would, that following Jesus isn't life, that the path of righteousness and walking in his way isn't life. You need to put to death that area of your life to live. If you don't, you'll not be able to change that in eternity. You need to put to death the idea that this isn't life. Will it be easy? No. Will you have to say no to some things? Yes, but saying no to life now and forevermore isn't worth it. Let me say that again, saying no to life now and forevermore isn't worth it. And finally, we need to remember, whoever we are tonight, that none of this is possible 
if we don't know the one who was put to death for us. No sin that we try to fight off, no idea or war in our hearts and minds will ever be one without knowing and trusting in Jesus. None of this would be possible. No life, your existence, my existence, our, our being brought into the family of God wouldn't be possible without Jesus. We need to acknowledge the one who was put to death to bring us life. And you see, Easter is more than just a weekend last weekend. It affects us today. It affects us as we come to church today. It should affect our tomorrows that, Jesus, I would be nothing without you. I would still be dead in my trespasses. But because of Jesus, I'm brought to life because of his death on the cross. You see, death brings life. Easter shows us this, and our life should paint it as well. And I want to leave you with that challenge. What are you putting to death tonight? in your life in light of what Jesus has done for you. Let me pray for us tonight, God. Just thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that it's alive and active, Lord. Thank you, God, that it's not always just sometimes just good stories or just encouragement, but your word also brings us challenge, Lord, and correction, Lord. And I pray that you would show us, God, what we need to put to death tonight in our lives, Lord, whether it's anger or Great, Lord, whatever it may be, God, you know our hearts, Lord, and thank you, God, that we come to a God that wants to help us, God. We don't have to hide. We don't have to lie in shame thinking that we're doing such a rubbish job, but God, we get to come to you, God, and ask for your help. So thank you for that, Lord. I pray, God, for those who have this idea that following you isn't life. I pray that you would just change their heart. God, that something that has been said or done tonight, God, would change the heart, God, and we would just rejoice tonight, God, for what you've done. Thank you for sending Jesus to the cross, that ultimately, through his death, that we have life. God, help us to remind ourselves of the good news of the gospel, that you put your son, your son was put to death so that we could have life. Thank you that we were once dead, but now we're alive because of you. So just thank you for that tonight, Lord, and we just leave the rest of tonight in your hands, God, knowing that you're a good and evil God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.